Welcome to Beating Cancer Daily. Beating stage four cancer for 30 years still takes my breath away every time I say it. I'm Saren, founder of the Comedy Cures Foundation, and I hope you'll join me for just a few minutes daily for the next 365 days so we may laugh, learn, maybe cry a little as we live our best days beating cancer daily together. I can't wait to share with our guest, comedian Missy Hall and you, this message that I got from one of our Beating Cancer Daily listeners. And I'm not going to use her name, but I'm just going to say that she went to a comedy club thinking that she was going to see Missy because she was in Delaware. And I had mentioned that Missy was performing a lot that night. And so she thought she was going to run into Missy at a club. She's a fan of the podcast and a fan of Missy's. And she had the best time. It was the first time that she went to a comedy club by herself. And she said she laughed so hard. And unfortunately, she didn't get to see Missy, but we're going to clear that up, right, Missy? We're going to get her your info. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to make sure she has it. (laughs) So we're going to make this match between Missy and this fan. Yes. I I, I can't wait to meet her. I can't wait to meet her. She really follows all your episodes. She listens to all the episodes. She's somebody that gives back incredible feedback for what we're doing. And I just love that she ventured out by herself to a comedy club and had the best time. So if you have not been to a comedy club, I hope that you take yourself out as a treat by yourself or with a group of people and wherever you are in the world and experience what it's like to just laugh for 90 minutes straight. Hopefully the comics are good. You can go online and check out their set before. Don't watch too much just in case they do some of the same jokes, but just see if you like their sense of humor and then go out and enjoy a comedy club. But for today, we have our own comedian with us, Missy Hall, who is also a recent breast cancer survivor. And if you haven't heard the other 15 episodes that we did. It's like a series within the series of Beating Cancer Daily. Go back and start at the beginning and listen to Missy's journey, not only through cancer treatment, but in finding her funny, developing her funny in this new normal of being a cancer patient and now a cancer survivor. And Missy, every time I say that, I want to go, woohoo! I, when you say those words, I feel like a watered plant. I'm like, oh, oh, that's right. That's right. Um, very cool. Yeah, it's, it's very it's cool to hear. Very cool that we got to take this journey with you too yeah. and share it with our listeners at Beating Cancer Daily. I have to give you some feedback on an episode that we did. where you and I developed a routine, a little bit of a routine on fruit as (laughs) just as a natural conversation because I was eating an apple. I'm not going to ruin it for you if you haven't heard the episode. It's our 14th episode, which we call Louis the 14th. 
<laughs> but but it got such a huge reaction from the listeners because they said that it was so beautiful to watch this creative concept evolve with humor, but also that we were sharing back and forth without any possessiveness, without any creative control, just about this concept. And it it really struck a chord with people. I love that. I love that so much. I love that people got that little sneak behind the curtains because a lot of times when we hear something funny in somebody's act or in somebody's talk, you don't realize that sometimes that stuff comes up by accident as part of natural conversation. And people might not also be aware that when you do comedy work, there is an ownership of material. And I love that they got to see two women discussing a concept. And when you mentioned a fruit co-op, again, I won't give too much away. So people can go back and listen. You're like, take it, use it. And then I might use it back in a talk. And that is just something that I don't think most people, and maybe even a lot of comics are privy to the fact that these kinds of things can happen. Well, a lot of people pay for comedy. That's an entire part of the industry where comedians or comedy writers write jokes or write routines or sets for other comedians. And it's a lucrative business. You can get paid a lot of money for certain jokes, depending on where they're being used. And sometimes it could just be $25 for Mm -hmm. a joke. But the fact that we weren't sitting there going, okay, you give me $25 for that. Dollars for that joke. You give me 50 for that concept. Like we were just developing an idea. And I love that it happened on this episode that we had recorded. And I loved that it just went back and forth so effortlessly. And that you could really, as it developed, you could really feel that was something that was going to be a great set for you to do on stage. Yes. And I love that you bring up the fact that people get paid for that. Somebody, I've heard comics say, oh, I heard so-and-so say that. I offered the money for it. And I love that you and I are able to be like, okay, you have that for your set and then I'll borrow it back this way. And then we're both covered. Like whoever's mouth that comes out of, we are both covered as people of integrity and as entertainers. Well, have you ever had a joke stolen before? Because I had a whole set stolen. Yes, I have. And- It was a situation where people kept calling me the first couple times someone had told me, I just let it go because it's not like I was this brilliant, unheard of premise before. But when and other comics were telling me, but then when an audience member emailed me and goes, wow, I just saw a woman trying to be you this weekend and told me the content of the show, I was like, wow, that's not okay. That is not okay. And it didn't feel great. It's interesting because I had a man steal mine. Really? Yeah. And it was so not appropriate. 
I for was... a man to do this routine because it was very personal <gasps> about being a redhead. <laughs> really? Stole the set. He did the whole set. We were just talking yeah. about it. And so we were talking about if I had hit all the jokes. And then the guy calls me and tells me that he did the set and marked it with a video at a New York comedy club. So that's how it works. If you get the timestamp on the video at a club, it proves that was your material first. And I, I was shocked. I, I, Wait, he called you and said, and I was like, how do you steal a woman's routine <laughs> about being a redhead? You're not a redhead. <laughs> what, what is going on here in this world? Yes. Yeah. And it ended the relationship because I just don't like to be around people that I can't trust. And it, it just wasn't, it wasn't kind, but it's interesting not to speak out of turn about someone that's passed away, but Robin Williams was just such a genius and his mind worked so fast that he would hear a routine while he was waiting to go on stage. And he just would rapid fire auditorily memorize the routine. And so the way I heard the story is that if Robin was coming into a club, people would just get off stage so that he could go right on because it was known that he had this mind that would just absorb the material. And then supposedly they would pay the comic before just in case that happened. And I don't know that firsthand, but I heard it from a pretty good source. And that integrity was there to just pay forward just in case that did get subconsciously used in his brilliant fashion. It's just it's pretty cool. Do you know, that's one of many stories that I've heard about Robin Williams that just shows integrity and such a sense of other. I actually worked with him. I, I can't remember if I said it on the podcast, but at Dick Clark, we did a special, it was a Mother's Day special, and he and his mother were part of the special. So was Cher and her mother. It was just all famous mothers and their famous kids. And they were amazing. And she was hilarious. And oh. it was just such an honor. And then I had a second opportunity when I did something in San Francisco. They told me that he, I was brought in to do uh, comedy cures programs in this hospital. And he used to just pop in all the time to the children's ward and just entertain the kids because he lived down the street from the hospital and never any fanfare, just him right. coming in and making the pediatric unit just light up with laughter and joy. It's incredible. And I actually ended up meeting his wife, who was his wife before he died. And because I had worked with him, we met in a green room at a conference where we were both speaking. And so we actually became friends right after he passed away. Oh and she's my. doing incredible work on Lewy body dementia because that's yes. Robin actually caused his death ultimately was his illness from Lewy body dementia. So what a crazy world yes. that it just repeats like that. But yeah, I wanted to make sure that I didn't speak anything negative about Robin out of turn, but it's just that 
comedy can really bring people together and it can really divide people. And in your circumstance, it brings people together because you are such a warm, vivacious performer. And what you've done on this podcast has just been so generous of spirit. But I wanted to share about what your husband did after he heard the Louis the 14th. We just call it Louis the 14th podcast. And again, this man that I adore so much and cannot say enough lovely things about how supportive and wonderful he is. Now, we have done, again, that was the 14th episode we've done together. This man's only mention was when he listened to that podcast, he called me and he says, Missy, the stuff about the fruit is awesome. You've got to do that on stage. And he starts going on and on about the fruit. I'm like, I appreciate that. And I know, Sarah, you appreciate that humor wise, but you're like, that's your takeaway from all of this is the fruit. That's your takeaway. And I could not stop laughing. And again, it reminded me of just with this whole journey, how differently we can be looking at the same situation because I'm thinking, oh, the man that loves me is going to listen to me speaking kind words about him on the podcast. And no, his takeaway was the fruit. (laughs) I love that. I was going to say what you just said, that we talk about him all the time and what a hero he's been and how funny he is because he's a comedian also and so many stories and the one thing he really goes crazy about is our fruit riff. It's just so funny. And, and it makes you think sometimes it, it when you hear somebody was like an overnight sensation, that's what that feels like. It's like we've spoken for hours. Jeremy has listened. Jeremy has been the subject in those conversations. But the one thing that he's like, this one has legs, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> This reminds me of the opening of Casablanca where everybody's talking about Rick and then you don't really know what we're talking about if you haven't heard it, but now you are burning. You want to stop right now this episode and go back and hear about fruit because Jeremy thinks it has (laughs) legs. And if you don't know about the industry, having legs is usually how they refer to a hit series that's mm-hmm. going to go on and on or a movie that's going to make a lot of sequels because it's just going to walk and walk and walk and go and go. So <laughs> I just think it's funny. But I know that you just went to the surgeon. And as I said at the beginning, we're really following Missy through this entire journey of cancer and survivorship. And we're using our comic perspective to talk about these things and also to teach how you can develop your comic perspective at whatever stage you're going through, whether it's cancer or survivorship or you're a caregiver or a healthcare worker. So I just want to make sure that we circle back to where you are in the process of your survivorship. And I do believe you had a surgeon's appointment. Yes, I got to go see my surgeon 
And this was the first time I was able to walk into the cancer center and really not feel on the verge of tears. Wow, it, that's big. It was huge. It felt like business instead of what are the, what am I going to find out? And that was a huge shift. And I don't know that will be with every appointment. I have to go back in for an ultrasound and but this appointment was interesting because my surgeon walks in and he, the first thing he says is, I cannot believe it has been six months since your surgery is I feel like that time went by so fast. And that immediately made me feel remembered. It made me feel important. I just thought it was, it just immediately felt like I was cared for. And I don't mean as a human being. I mean, yes, I want people to care about me as a human being, but as a patient, knowing that he was able to come in and visualize when he last saw me just made me feel like, wow, if there is a change in my breasts or in anything going on, this man is going to be on top of it. And it immediately was so soothing. Isn't that incredible how bedside manner can be the game changer? Because I know I had to make decisions because I was in the cancer system for so long. I had three surgeries, 44 radiation treatments, two plus years of chemotherapy, seven different kinds of drugs. I had as much as three chemos a day. And I remember having to make decisions. Do I want the best person or do I want a really good person with really good bedside manner? Am I in a place where I can take terrible bedside manner, but a great surgeon or oncologist or radiation expert? Or do I need that little bit of nurturing or a lot of nurturing for where I am in this process? And that is such an individual decision. I know people that have gone with really great bedside manner because emotionally they just needed it, but not chosen the best, the best of the best reputation of doctor. And as I said, it's such a personal decision, but to have a really skilled surgeon and then have somebody that made you feel noticed and nurtured and validated. Wow. That's pretty amazing. It is pretty amazing. And, and for you listening, I'd like for you to know that from the beginning, I did not have a complicated case. So I, did not have the angst of making sure that I had a second opinion. Everything was pretty clear cut. So I got to skip some of the angsty parts with complication. One of the best things one of the doctors said to me was like, yes, nobody's going to learn anything from your case. We will not be using you in a textbook. And we were laughing about it. And I'm like, that's great. Things were a lot simpler for me than they were for you. I always try to stress that everybody's where they are. Every case is so individualized. I mean, I have friends that call me and apologize because they're stage zero. And I always say everybody has to go through this journey and 
there isn't a hierarchy in what's what's bigger or worse or it all is hard at some point. And so I'm just so blessed that it was not presented to you so dramatically and that you were just given some freedom to process this without having to just rip your heart out over it. But I'm telling you, we're just being on the podcast together and hearing the days where you're weepy and you're processing, it's all healing. Whatever this is, whatever stage you're at, it's healing. And I really am honored that you share all the aspects, honestly, about all the ups and downs and emotions that you're going through, because it's very rare that people let someone behind the curtain. And Mm -hmm. the fact that you've allowed us to do that has just been amazing. So how did you guys leave it? We left it in that I was telling him that this is the biggest thing that's ever happened to me. And just like you're saying, the case that this is the biggest before and after moment of my life. And I was expressing to him how grateful I was for healing, but some things that I was scared of, I've had some very severe pain in my arm and in the breast where the radiation happened. And it turns out I have edema in the breast that was receiving radiation and I have lymphedema in my arm, which having an explanation for the pain was so lovely because I'd been feeling fine. And then it hit me like, oh my gosh, what's happening in my body? What's happening? So we were able to figure that out. I will be going to the lymphedema clinic at the hospital for physical therapy. And I do need an ultrasound because they're in my, on the other side, there's like a little lymph node that seems to be inflamed that we're going to check out. And having steps and eyes on all of these things has made me feel better. Oh, the joys of survivorship. Yes. (laughs) Thank you for saying that because the, was like, oh, and he's like, how are, you, how are you doing on the anestrozole? And I'm like, I'm not a fan. <laughs> to have, have a doctor look at me and go, yeah, it's not great. And when he we spoke about hip fatigue and hot flashes and all of those things, I felt so seen. I knew those things were real for me. But to have a medical professional say that they're real, encourage me to talk to the oncologist and all of that just, even though it didn't change anything about how I feel physically, it gave me permission to feel it. Does that make sense? (laughs) I want to just say, Missy, you don't have hot flashes. You have power power surges. I was on video with Missy, if you heard that episode, where she had a full-blown power surge. It, that heat was coming through the, the computer screen. I, I literally, I got hot. I got a hot flash <laughs> just from seeing her hot flash. And I haven't had a hot flash in ever. <laughs> I was misdiagnosed 30 years ago, diagnosed 24 years ago, and have very blessedly beat stage four cancer 21 years ago for 
was it? Yeah, 21, I think we're at. Yeah, 21 years ago. So for me to get a hot flash at this point in the journey, when I haven't had five flashes for decades, I got it because it was like contagious through that screen. I had empathy hot flash with you. <laughs> yes. You know how yawns are contagious? Yeah. <laughs> All I have to do is start glistening in front of you with the power surge. Hits. Her hair was wet. It was it was an epic, like epic power surge coming through. But yeah. what what an amazing thing. Like I want to send a love note to your doctor right now. Yes. <laughs> I want to send a thank you note to that surgeon for just being so incredibly kind. And just in terms of the edema and lymphedema, I don't know, did they order a cuff for you, a lymphedema cuff? They did not. He just ordered the therapy and I had seen things about cuffs online. The interesting, I don't have any swelling or anything. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't have any hit, any background knowledge of this because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I've seen people oh, with. Cuffs. Oh, you will, honey. You I will. Gonna, you're going to get a masterclass at lymphedema <laughs> when you go there and you'll have to come back and tell us about it. So just to note, I got a recommendation for an unbelievable lymphedema cuff website where they design them so they're beautiful. And whatever your personality is, you can find a cuff that is so gorgeous. It's made for people. It's not just a medical thing. They made them aesthetically beautiful besides being medically sound. So I will give you that recommendation in case you need to have that. And then if you are dealing with lymphedema at home and you're interested in that website, just write to me at the Comedy Cures Foundation, comedycures.org, or record a message to me through the podcast link up there. It'll say record a message and let me know that you want that website and I will send it over to you because I really want to support them. They're doing great things for people's self-esteem and also for fashion. And if you need a cuff, you need a cuff. And I just want to make sure that you have that. And I I don't personally get any kickback from that. And my charity doesn't get a kickback from it. It's just trying to support people who are doing really great things for the cancer community. I love that. And I, I was surprised that it was happening now. And when he was saying, no, the radiation pulls back the skin and the scar tissue and everything from the surgeries and where we remove the lymph nodes, this is exactly when you'll start feeling it. And it was a reminder that this doesn't have a punctuation mark at the end of it. You're saying is interesting because I have met people who've gotten it years later. That's what he said. And and there's many different reasons. I mean, I was told flat out, do not lift more than a certain amount of weight with my left arm where I had 33 nodes removed. So I had a triple level, three level nodal dissection. So I don't have nodes from my neck down to the middle of my my stomach coming down the left side. And so I was told I was not allowed to lift more than 10 pounds. They'd prefer if I didn't go above five, but that was for my whole life. 
So that's forever. Yeah. So I am so careful to try never to lift more than that with my left, my left side. And also it can happen if you're heavier than thinner. So I try to watch my weight because it's more prone if you're heavier than your, you know, recommended body weight. I was told, I mean, there's a lot of reasons that this can happen, but you know, I've tried to dodge it and the, I do a couple other things. I hold my arms up the air, like a field goal (laughs) (laughs) to try to always get the fluid back. So it looks like I'm going touchdown, field goal. (laughs) Cause I just raise my hands or like, I'm praying to God. Thank you (laughs) with my fingertips pointing the sky, but I'm very conscious, especially Mm -hmm. if I, for some reason have had my arms down for a long time just to get the fluid circulating back down and massages. Like you have to tell massage therapists that you've had breast surgery or lymph nodes removed because from what I was told, and I'm not a doctor, you should check this out with your doctor or your physical therapist. But I was always told that you want the massage to go from your fingertips towards your heart. You never want them pulling the fluid from your upper body down to your fingertips. You always want it going back towards the heart. So I tell every therapist, no matter how fancy schmancy they are, every massage person to please, when they do my arms, just go towards my heart. Interesting. And I have a massage therapist that I work with and I will, I'll try that as well. Yeah. But when you talk to your PT person, ask her for the recommendation for sure, because even like doing Mm push-ups or things where my arms are down, like doing a traditional push-up, I try not to do that. Because I don't want all that blood flow rushing to my fingertips because I don't have the circuitry. The lymph nodes bring that fluid throughout your body. So I'm just very conscious. And if anybody who's listening is concerned, please seek out the PT at your hospital or get recommendations from your doctor. As I said, I am just a multi-decade cancer survivor. I don't have the medical training to advise you. I'm just telling you what I do personally. Yeah. And that's very interesting and it makes sense. And I was surprised because I had gotten all of my mobility back after surgery. And then it just suddenly, it feels like there's knots going up my arm and the surgeon was like, yes, I understand. It probably feels very heavy. I'm like, no, it hurts. It's not heavy. It's hurt. And so I've been spending a lot of time just trying to stretch and stretch the scar tissue, but I'm very curious to hear with the physical therapist. Okay. So you have to do my field goal. Field goal. (laughs) goal. Field goal. Yay, sports. (laughs) I love football, but I just do it as like now I'll be having a meeting, especially because I've mentioned it before. I hate bookkeeping. I hate, I have to do it because I run a charity. So I have to sit with the bookkeeper and the accountants. And so I get really fidgety and bored. So I'll just sit in the meeting in a field goal (laughs) position (laughs) because I think it's funny. 
And I just also want to get that fluid running back down <laughs> into my body. <laughs> so you can imagine that I, I drive my bookkeeper crazy. I think I, I mentioned before I made her wear a tiara one day because I just love it. Who so didn't want to be in bookkeeping that I just put a tiara on my head and walked in and said tiara. And she was like, thought I was crazy, but I was like, okay. I didn't make her. I just suggested. <laughs> you just, I just suggested it and brought her one. That we did t- that we did bookkeeping as princesses. <laughs> but I run a comedy charity. I'm allowed to be bizarre. Yes. <laughs> um, that has been such a joy going through this as a comedian, being able to be a little wacky, like when... And I don't know if I told you this when I had the another follow up appointment with the plastic surgery oncologist, they were taking they had to take photos. And so I was just striking poses (laughs) around. She's voguing. You can't see Missy, but she's voguing. And the PT or the yeah, it was the nurse practitioner was taking the photos and she's like, you know what? And I'm not even going to have to tell her whose pictures she's are. These are. She's going <laughs> and I was very happy because it took away any feelings of being uncomfortable. And it made her laugh. It made me laugh. It made me feel like we were playing and having a party versus having vulnerable pictures taken. That is such an incredible point. And I agree with you just injecting a little bit of play Mm -hmm. into these appointments, it not only relieves our stress, but it is such a welcome relief for the healthcare professionals. Through Comedy Cures, I get to do so many events and Missy has done events with our foundation before, but I get to do so many healthcare professional and frontline worker events And they are so grateful for the comic relief. They just, we're one. Like, Missy, you're one person who has to process your own journey. I'm one person. But they have to deal with so many of us in a day. And there's so much anxiety coming out of patients and their caregivers who go to these appointments. And everybody's on high alert and has so much cortisol flowing. And here these people have to deal with us all day. And so when when we can give them a little comedic relief, right. it really helps. And look, Missy, you're a professional comedian, so you're hilarious and your sense of play is off the charts and mine is so developed too, but you don't have to be us to do that. You right. can literally write down a joke or take a joke from the Comedy Cures Laugh Line, one eight eight ha ha that's one eight eight eight. 424 2424. Press one, you'll hear a professional comedian. Press two, you'll hear an amateur joke. Press three, you can tell us a joke. But the bottom line is, you could just copy a joke from there, what's free or from the internet, and just bring it in as a gift to your healthcare provider. They will love it. It's true. It, I feel like it shakes up the snow globe. A little bit and that's a great visual i really believe in that just shaking it up a little bit there's sometimes we need to shake it up there's sometimes we need to let it settle 
And I think when you have the opportunity and you make an excellent point, this is what I do for a living. This is what you do all of the time. You don't have to do Wait, it. did you catch how you do it for a living and I just do it all the time? All the time. Because <laughs> I don't take a salary from That's the what I was just Foundation. So she was being really definitive to be yes. like, yeah, you don't get paid and you work really hard. So I work really hard and I get paid, but you don't get paid enough. Miss. I don't. And I, what I was really letting everybody know <laughs> is that you're a better person than I am. <laughs> no, I just have no boundary. So I just do it for free. That's I mean, I had to come back from stage four. So I was at that chemo chair. Oh, God, I got the vision. You want me to start the Comedy Cares Foundation? Please keep me alive to do it. I don't need a salary. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> she, I have psychic income. I just get paid by goodwill. Exactly. It's love and light keeping <laughs> together. I need a little bit of cash. <laughs> If my dad were alive, he would be rolling right now because when I told him I wasn't taking a salary, he just, he was a businessman. He just did not understand. He literally said to me, what are you going to do? Live off psychic income? (laughs) Yes, that is my plan. But that's where our faith comes in. We always talk about being faithful. I just figured it would all work out. I just have always figured it would all work out. And so thank God it's worked out. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And I am not going to lie. I have you on a little pedestal because of (laughs) what through the years you have been able to create and share. And I'm still just be bopping around. (laughs) You got bitten by the bug. I mean, first of all, you still love to perform for comedy cures. And second of all, from the minute this started, you have said that this was something that really compelled you to want to develop and give back at such a higher vibration and at such a more rapid level. And we've been talking about nonstop how you're going to, use this as the inciting incident to really use your comedy for even greater good. And you already use it for so much good, but I know I could see it in your eyes when this all went down that you were going to come to the, I was going to say, I don't even know what side this is. Come to the (laughs) villain. I was just going to say dark side or light side. I don't know. I was just going to say, come to the more altruistic side, still get paid to do your comedy for corporations and in clubs, but still think of a way to do it. And we've talked about you getting a Ted talk and And the ways that you could use it. And there's something much more special now than there was before my own diagnosis. There is something much more special when someone from an audience will come up and whisper in my ear, thank you. I'm 20 years out or thank you. I needed that. It's a different, it's a different thing now. It never gets old too. It never gets old. I mean, someone just thanked me recently. I went to their celebration of life party and they thanked me so much for coming, but then they wrote me a note after I showed up at their party. 
I do show up at parties. So <laughs> if people <laughs> do invite me, if I've helped you, <laughs> I, I come. I really do show up and people are so surprised. I'm like, why did you invite me if you didn't, you didn't think I was going to come? My husband, do you have to go to everyone that somebody <laughs> invites you to? You help a lot of people. I just, I literally, I just went yesterday to a woman who I helped two decades ago with her cancer journey. And one of her kids just got engaged. And mm -hmm. I was actually at a different family function of my own family. And I excused myself for my own family function and went to her kid's engagement party. And I walked in and she was like, but you were at your own family's engagement party. I was like, I know, but I helped you 20 years ago and I love these kids. And I went and showed up and I hung out and I had the best time. It, it, there's a really interesting dynamic that happens or can happen when you do involve this whole part of your life into your social life. And some people don't. We've talked about that on episodes. They shut the door and that's it. But I love that this is part of my social life. I feel so grateful um, that people now entrust me with their stories. And some days it's hard because I'm still in the thick of it myself. I loved your Bambi. I loved your Bambi. Yes, Bambi. Yes. You Wait, know, is that a Bambi, Bambi metaphor? Was it Bambi yes. mem a metaphor? Yes, Bambi on ice. It's like that, whoa, I'm standing up, but there's still little places where my legs are sliding out. But um, I think from the first moment that I decided to go public with my diagnosis, that I feel compelled for other people to be able to... Either if if not just listen, if they need to talk to somebody, that I honor that. I love that. And what's interesting is at the party that I went to to celebrate with this woman that I helped two decades ago, she actually pulled me aside at the party and she said, someone that we know is very young and she was diagnosed. And I told her all about the podcast. I told her all about comedy cures and how you've helped me. And I remembered when you helped me and how you helped me. And I said the same things you said to me 20 years ago to her. And I remember them so clearly. And I just echoed that. And it felt really good that I could help someone the way that you helped me. So it, it's just, it just comes back. It's you pay it forward. It's full circle. And I think that it also helps us heal when we're healing right. others. You're absolutely correct. You're absolutely correct. I think we are kind, we're built to support each other, whether we know it or not. And when you can pass on some of your energy to somebody that can need it, it doesn't cost you a cent. It doesn't, me giving my energy to someone else doesn't make my own energy go away. That's because we're extroverts. This is true. But I do. I have to hold up. I will say I am an extrovert, but I am a person. For instance, I had four or five shows this past week. I needed today to hole up and hunker down. 
And then tomorrow I'll be ready for the world again. I do need to charge my battery by myself. But but I think that is because you zoom it out. Yeah, that's a really good point that I want to bring out is that you have to really keep checking in with yourself as you're going through cancer treatment and then as you're healing as a survivor. And you need to keep self-checking and seeing what you need energetically. Do I need not to talk about being a cancer survivor today? Do I need to forget that I went through this whole experience and just take care of me and not help other people? Oh, do I have extra energy today? Okay, I can call back somebody that has cancer that someone has asked me to talk to. Please be really judicious about your energy and your time. And if you feel comfortable talking about it, and if you want to talk about it, and if you don't, there is no judgment. Honestly, this is so personal. Yes. And I respect that so much when people don't want to talk about something or keep something in the way I handle things is not the way for everybody to handle things. And I truly believe that. And because I, I think we're all in danger of comparing ourselves to others all the time, aren't well, we? Well, women do that. I mean, yes. we compare ourselves to Madison Avenue. It, it's unbelievable how we do it. I want to be respectful of your time because sure. you did have so many shows this week and shows last night. Okay. So I want to just put a little thing in the universe. Lymphedema is so common and there's a lot of humor in it that has not been unveiled. So I want you to take copious notes and I want to help develop this lymphedema routine for you because I have not had it yet and hope do not to have to go through it. But I do think there's a lot of meat on that bone and meat on the bone is the way we refer mm -hmm. to how much we could develop the humor on a subject. And I just think we could really go there. And I think it would help a lot of people laugh at their situation and be able to cope with it a little more if you and I find the funny in lymphedema. So let's do that. Yes. And we can start with the fact that my daughter thought I had said emphysema <laughs> and couldn't. And she's 24 and she called me. She's a mom. You said they said you have emphysema, right? I'm like, no, please don't tell people that. That's, that's a total different. <laughs> that's your opening line, girl. All right. I love you. I, I want to let right you back. rest. I want to let you rest. And I can't wait till we get on again and just explore comic perspective together and check in with you on this whole survivorship and healing process. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love, love, love getting to do this with you. <laughs> if you want to know more about Missy Hall and Jeremy, you can check out their live Facebook show. They go live on Tuesday nights. And you can have a date night with them on Facebook. 
and check back because we try to have Missy on every Wednesday to find out how she's doing. So you can check back and then go back and listen to prior episodes if you haven't heard them. It is such a pleasure and honor to have my girlfriend on to just do what we do. It's just so effortless. And I'm so glad that you guys love to give us feedback. So if you want to talk to me, want to talk to Missy, go to comedycures.org and hit the record button and let us know if you need Missy's contact, we can send it to you or go to the contact part of the Comedy Cures Foundation website and write me a note and we'll get you Missy's contact and just share with us your lymphedema stories. Mm-hmm. Let us know if we can help you in any way. And if you need that contact for the website, have a blessed day and I'll see you tomorrow. If you've enjoyed this podcast, then I'd love to ask for you to go to comedycures.org and check out our membership circle levels. You will find even more resources and more programming like our live virtual Q&A sessions with me, our live Comedy Cures events with our very talented comedians, live health builder workshops with Jackie Bryan hosted by me, a robust monthly newsletter, plus much more. It's really an exciting community. So please consider becoming a member, giving it as a gift, telling your friends, telling your hospital support group all about this community. I can't think of a more empowering way to go through a cancer journey or your survivorship or your caregiving experience than with us at Beating Cancer Daily. It's truly an honor to serve you. Thanks so much. See you tomorrow. Guess what time it is? It's time for me to read the disclaimer. Beating Cancer Daily and the Membership Circle are not in lieu of medical advice or treatment. They are for entertainment purposes only. Please consult your healthcare team to review your best strategy. Thanks for listening.